Hi, everybody. Welcome to Oscar Poker. My name is Sasha Stone. I'm here with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Sasha. Hi. How are hey. you? Good. Um, today, we're going to talk yeah. about uh, the Nosegate, Leonard Bernstein and the, and the, um, the Nose controversy, which isn't really mm -hmm. a controversy. And we're going to talk about um, the blind side and the controversy with that, which also isn't really a controversy. And we're going to talk no, a little really. bit. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Snow White, all the non-controversies of the mm. day. You just went away. You just disappeared. No, no, I'm here. I just, okay. I just stopped talking to allow you to talk. Okay. All right. Well, that's what people uh, in tech support do. So let's not get into that happens. <laughs> <laughs> what happens is that whenever you're talking is that they always say, they always wait for like five to six to seven seconds and then respond to you. I said, are you okay? Are you able to, you know, do you want a cup of coffee or something? No, sir. I was just waiting for you to finish, you know, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. you know, well, anyway, I just, um, mm -hmm. you sound very good. It's nice to hear mm -hmm. your voice on a microphone. Yeah, um, it's great. I love it. I love that I have this beautiful microphone. I thank you again. You're welcome. For sending it All my right. way. So um, basically right now we are, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's shocking to think this, but we're, we're only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven days away, twelve days yeah. away, basically mm -hmm. two weeks from, mm -hmm. from Telluride. Right. And that means that both Telluride and Venice are coming mm -hmm. in within the next two weeks and then Oscar season will really start. Yeah, Venice will start two days before, of course. They start, I think, on the Tuesday, the 30th, or, I mean, Tuesday, the 29th, or uh, Wednesday, mm -hmm. the 30th, or something like that. Yeah, Wednesday, the 30th. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's, uh, before we get into that uh, side of things, uh, I just wanted to say that I had some very brief thoughts about the uh, Leonard Bernstein, uh, Bradley Cooper, maestro thing, which is, I'm astonished. I mean, really, really, truly astonished that, that there is anything to say about, about this other than the fact that we know, you know, we all know that all, their, all the makeup people were trying to do. And obviously the, uh, the, the charge, the, the goal, the mission was to make Bradley Cooper look as much like the actual Leonard Bernstein and, you know, have a resemblance factor. Mm. It really wasn't um, a... Um, a, tr a tricky agenda of any kind. It would just simply make him look as much like Leonard Bernstein did. He now he doesn't look as conspicuously uh, Jew facey as far as the nose is concerned when he's <laughs> young, when he's older. Uh, but he does look conspicuously Jew facey with the younger face because mm. he's more slender and the nose stands out more. But I just find it astonishing that people made anything about it. But I, but I do understand why these professional makeup people. Uh, really, who are you know professionals? They they were you know asked make it look right, make it look good, and they got it wrong. They overdid it very slightly, and I, I'm astonished that they could get it wrong when there are any number of photos to compare and say, well, do we does that look right? No, let's change it a little bit. You know, let's, let's make you know. There's all this. It's so easy to get that part right mm. that, that that they didn't, and that I'm astonished by that they could screw it up like that. But I don't think there's any motive in screwing it up or anything like that. There's no crazy ulterior ethnic motive in doing that, which is nuts. Well, we, so, ta we talked yeah. about this already, but yeah. basically the, um, 
The problem is that Bradley Cooper is a director and usually you count on the director to say, oh, you know, that that doesn't look good that that you got to pull back on that. But if he's the director, he's not going to say that to himself, obviously, because he's approved it and he's not really watching himself so much. He's watching everybody else. He's watching the movie. He's also not really mm-hmm. able to fully judge himself to him. He goes, yeah, this looks this looks good. This doesn't look like me. But you need a, another person to look at it and go, you know, Bradley, that kind of looks a little more like Margaret Hamilton in the uh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, exactly. That's but all not... they, you're telling me that um, uh, the producers, uh, one of whom is Steven Spielberg, and um, I believe that um, who else is the other? Uh, oh, yes, yeah, Scorsese. He's an exec producer. Uh, did he ever consult with anybody? Because that's what producers are kind of supposed to do. They're supposed to be the, uh, you know, the voice of, uh, you know, let hold on for a second. Let's make sure we got this right. You know. Well, well could, saying, could it could it be that he's so famous that people are afraid to say something to him? Steven Spielberg is afraid to say something to Brett. Maybe I don't know. Is it? Is it? Steven Spielberg is the guy who really should know because if anybody, he'd be more sensitive to the whole. <laughs> Sorry, I, my cred here is I'm half Jewish, so I'm allowed to talk. I can say things like half Jew without sounding anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I have no. Noticed... And I'm not allowed to talk because I'm a wasp. Exactly. <laughs> you but are, of course, allowed. Because people are going to hate me for saying what I think is obvious, which is yeah. that. You know, they they got it wrong strangely, but it's it, it's a technical thing, which is incomprehensible how they could get it wrong. But secondly, to ascribe any ulterior or negative or unseemly motives to getting it wrong is no, just, exactly. I don't, on, I don't. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and we can get into that too when we get to Snow White. But the but the yeah. thing about this is that the only I have been myself a little sensitive to this issue only because not because of the Jew nose or anything like that. But because of the irony of a of an industry built by Jews that was kind of forced to always have waspy people mm-hmm. in the front of the camera because they couldn't sell a Jew face, right? Jew faces were considered ugly, and I I have a Jew face, and so I can say that I would grow up, and Spielberg would attest to this as well. Is that if you look Jewish, you know, people are going to treat you a different way because of the way you look and that's just something that you grow up with if you're like for instance you become sensitive to having a big nose you become sensitive to looking like that and and so i always wondered why is it that all these famous jewish people are always played by wasps and and the simple reason is that because of the majority in america has always been white anglo-saxon protestants that's what mm. america mm-hmm. was founded on and that's what the majority has been for decades and obviously that's changing now but you know the the only thing that's odd about it is that you know people get so mad if it's if it's uh, not a latina in the role or they get mad if it's not this or that the one good thing about the nose gate is that it's deflected from the other potential controversy of the girl the wife who is uh, I don't know. Did they settle that already? The, there was some simmering controversy that Carrie Mulligan was playing a woman. Yeah, they did say it was not. There was nothing there either because her um, father. She was. She was a mes- kind of mestiza, uh, Chilean, uh, or is it or it's the Costa Rican part? But uh, I, I looked at all, all this but up. And there's no question that there's a 
kind of an Anglo look to people from that heritage. Plus, her father was a non-Costa Rican. It was a he was a uh, he was a kind of a waspy corporate guy of some sort. I don't have it in front of me, and I can't recite, recite all these things from memory. But there's nothing, nothing. It was just the idea that you know she's English, and therefore she should not be playing mm. uh, a woman who's partly whose heritage is partly from Costa Rica and, right. and you know well, basically Latin American. I, I have found just, out that, that there's a lot of white, they yeah. call them, it's on the census, it's called white, not, um, white, just plain white, and then white mm -hmm. non-Hispanic would be, yeah. because apparently, like, for instance, Guillermo del Toro is considered white. He's not considered sure. Hispanic or Latino, which I didn't really know. Um, he's certainly considered Mexican, or whatever that's worth. Yeah, but not, he's white. His end. Yeah, and so but it's, many it's, people from Mexico are, uh, you know, like Alejandro is kind of whitish. You know, he certainly doesn't look like a like a. Uh, no, Southern, but I mean, I mean yeah. that the what I'm talking about is the designation of category. For instance, for a long time, I was making a case that mm -hmm. um, non-white directors had won um, okay. all of these Oscars. So when the Three Amigos came in and won for so many years, they all kept winning. Cuaron won twice, Alejandro mm -hmm. won twice, and um, Del Toro won once. They dominated the best director category, and then my readers would kept coming in saying, "Well, they're you know he's white and he's white," and so they they got very angry at me for for categorizing it that way. But I can tell you this: voters don't know the difference. Voters yeah. hear the name and they hear Three Amigos, they think they're voting for somebody who's non-white, mm -hmm. and so it it helps them to be more. How can anybody be that dumb? I'm I'm just you know I'm staggered by the stupidity <laughs> out there. And I'm by the way, uh, you mentioned that uh, the high school guy uh, remarked upon your striking and I think really cool looking nose, if you ask me. But remember that who else has large noses? People from France. They're known for their prominent noses. Who else has large noses? Uh, people from the Middle East, uh, Ben and and India. And, and, uh, and Germany. And that whole, okay. There's a lot of uh, tribes and a lot of ethnic groups that have large noses. These yeah, I know, but, but for some reason, it's only been a, a negative thing when paired with Jew Jews, and that's because of the Holocaust, obviously, and, and not just the Holocaust. Jews have been uh, mocked for how they look, and especially the, the cartoons about them. Anyway, Jeff, neither mm -hmm. Jeff neither of us believes that this is any sort of affront to the Jewish community. And mm -hmm. I think that most people on, on film Twitter don't because you, Mark Harris wrote a very exhaustive lengthy piece on this. He, and Slade. he really went long on it. Boy, I was saying, I'll say. What is he doing? He's going on and on and on about this. Is, is it, this is a three paragraph, four paragraph tops issue. If, if you want to get into it, it's just not worth I, it. I mean, I don't even know if it's that much, maybe one paragraph. Yeah. But, he, but he really goes into the history. Mm -hmm. It seems to have struck a nerve with him. Um, I don't know if he's Jewish or not, actually. I don't know. But um, uh, Well, David Poland seemed to believe that Mark has some Jewish heritage in his family. Oh, okay. Well, and he's married to Tony Kushner, who I believe is Jewish. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But, um, but I don't obviously, is not a Jewish name, but I don't know what Mark's actual heritage is. Well, I, th I think that there's a good chance that there's some association with the film itself, given his defense of it, meaning he's friends right. with someone involved. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's some other kind. There must be some because he's. It is a very personal, very lengthy, um, you know, defense. As though this was a real controversy. When was it really? It was like a few tweets. Yeah. Like who cares? Like that's not a big deal. It's just it's just the churn. It's just like people. They just wanted to make him look like the actual Leonard. That's all it was, and they made this ridiculous thing. I mean. It, the the thing is like how could they get it wrong and how, and you're saying you're saying that the uh, standards the exacting standards of a first rate makeup person I tried to look it up by the way in IMDb for some reason there wasn't the whole usual uh, crew list but you're saying that the standards that any first rate makeup person would have uh, as far as his or her own you know work is concerned you're saying that was completely moot they didn't even apply standards because all they wanted to do was please Bradley Cooper. Oh, do you like it? Uh, do you want us to look more like Margaret Hamilton? I, I can't imagine what else could have gone that catastrophically wrong that they would make him look like Margaret Hamilton in The Wizard of Oz. I just, crazy. But crazy. here's the thing is, um, I, that was the first thing I noticed when I sent you the trailer. I was like, look at the yeah. schnoz. But yeah. all it was for me was a throwaway comment. It wasn't, I was just thinking, okay, that's going to be a little distracting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I remember being really upset, not upset, but annoyed with Nicole Kidman's nose in Virginia Woolf. But the reason she mm-hmm. needed that is because she's so beautiful and that beautiful people don't have the same problems as people who aren't beautiful. And so it's not believable that she would be suffering. Uh, so it made sense that she had the nose, even though I didn't think so at the time. Now I've come around to believing that it was the right thing to do for her because she had to look Bradley Cooper um, mm-hmm. is a handsome man, but so was Leonard Bernstein. He was a very good-looking guy. And mm-hmm. so why would you want to, you know, why not just be good-looking guy plays good-looking guy? And, mm-hmm. and Oppenheimer, you know, he has quite a prominent nose, is one of the most distinguishing characteristics about him. He's skinny, he has bright blue eyes, and he has a giant nose. Mm-hmm. And yet... Um, they didn't do it for the film. No, because really. it, it would have been yeah. horrifying if they had done that. It would have ruined it because it was just such a beautiful thing to watch. Killian Murphy's face. The whole movie was his face. All you'd be doing is st- staring at snow the whole time. <laughs> well, I, you're laughing and I'm chuckling, but why would, would that have been horrible? And why is Bradley Cooper's nose... Not so horrible as you and I. I don't are know why. Well, I I don't know why he made the decision to do it personally. I think that he could have done it maybe when he was older because it looks fine mm-hmm. on him as an older man. The older makeup, yeah. the younger. There's no reason for it because he mm. doesn't look like Leonard Bernstein. That's the problem. Yep. He doesn't look like Leonard Bernstein. You know, he looks yeah. like. I'm sorry to say, but he looks like the Wicked Witch of the East. Mm-hmm. West. West. I, mm. Who was the mean one? Wasn't it the East was the mean Margaret one? Margaret Hamilton is the West, and oh. the the woman who was killed it was the Wicked Witch of the East. Uh, Margaret Hamilton is her sister from the West, and she's the one who comes in and threatens Dorothy and so on. I just, I, I didn't look at him myself, uh, mm-hmm. Leonard Bernstein, and think, wow, he's got a huge honker. Like, I just mm-hmm. didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't occur to me because he's so handsome. And I think that part of the reason she fell in love with him is because he's super handsome. Mm-hmm. And he probably had a lot of affairs with men because he's super handsome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make sense that he would then make himself less handsome because it undermines the story, right? He's supposed to be this dashing, good-looking, Rock Hudson-type guy. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Right. I can feel the sand dribbling out of the hourglass as we talk. I, All right. I fine. Just don't, I'm just I don't saying. find any interest in this. This is so banal. And All so, right. Well, like, you think it's uninteresting, but there. I think people might be interested in hearing us talk about it. So I don't think it's that boring. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to talk about. I just don't. You know, I, I can't think of anything more to say. Which is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the, the thing that gets me and i'll just repeat myself third time how could they get get it so wrong so that people were you know had a problem with the uh with the bizarre looking nose why didn't they just I, get it I right i have it's no very, idea very easy you know? one person has to be there to say you know you yeah. all, for every film i know that when it's netflix they give you free reign and you can do every, anything you want but you always need someone there to come in and say like, you know, this is too long. This needs to be cut. I think Damien Chazelle had the same problem with Babylon. I think he needed someone to come in and say, that's too much. Pull it back a little bit. You know, you always need one person to, that you can that can be honest with you and tell you the truth. You know, I think if someone had just said to him as he he articulated it in so many words when I listened to him during a post screening Q&A that he had a he saw Babylon as something that is structured by the parties, the bacchanalia, the 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 crazy, you know, Roman orgy bacchanalia of the parties was what he structured the whole thing on. He didn't focus really on the filmmaking. And when he did focus on the filmmaking, they got it wrong with various particulars. The the bizarre uh, presentation of filmmaking as using sunlight to light sound stages in 1926, 27, when that was something that they were doing in the teens, but not after. It's just crazy. But he, yeah. he did it, and he got that wrong. But it's funny how you would think that, that if Sasha Stone and Jeffrey Wells were directing, we wouldn't get, get this stuff wrong. It would be simple. It would be so obvious. But and they then, got but, it wrong anyway. Yeah, because he's young and he didn't know uh, the time. I think his biggest problem in that movie is Margot Robbie. I think she is the she's the middle of the, she's the center of the movie. But you don't need an extreme movie like that, and then also extreme performances. Yeah, it's she's too very much. strident, very very strident, very out there. Something it either has to be a, like a, a kind of a semi stable yeah. movie with one performance like that, or right you calm her down and you have in this it was just to me it was it was i i respect her and i think she's beautiful and talented but i thought this mm -hmm. performance was to me amateur hour yeah like it really did just i was like okay that's not working yeah. yeah but regardless um i think every filmmaker needs that all right so let's move on to the next topic which is mm. Uh, what's the next topic? <laughs> I know we're getting to Snow White eventually, and and there's another one that we're oh oh the Blind Side. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what that bo seems to boil down to is that uh, Michael Oher O H E R uh, had tried to shake the Chewies down for 15k, according to the story, and he said he would going to go public with something that would make them look bad. And apparently that didn't amount to anything. No, I think it was and a million. It was a million. I did, oh, I'm sorry. 15 million. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to say 15K. Uh. Anyway, the, uh, that didn't work. And, and apparently, uh, at least to go by an ESPN study that I posted on Hollywood Elsewhere that basically said that something like 80% or a very high percentage of... Uh, of uh, tackles and and running backs and you know guys that don't 
really have uh, uh, endorsement deals or advertising opportunities or whatever, uh, they wind up uh, out of money. And uh, they are, it's just a statistically irrefutable thing. They, they, they give a lot of money to friends and family who need help. Uh, they are, uh, they, they presume that it's just going to keep going when they don't seem to understand that their earning power is confined to four or five years, maybe, maybe six years, but it's not going to go on forever. And mm. you have to kind of say, well, I'm not going to go spending money like a drunken sailor because it's, uh, you know, I got to be smart with my money now while I'm making it. And they don't do that. And, um, you know, it's just, a, it's a, it's a shame. That they did, they they weren't more mature about it, and uh, that he might. But it it seems to be that his motive was that he's out of money, and he's um, yeah. was persuaded by a by a, a you know shyster lawyer, as the term goes, to uh, to go <laughs> after them and try and milk them for for more more dough. Right, and and, and, and because they are wealthy, extremely yeah. wealthy, and he's thinking. How is it that they're so wealthy and I'm not when they made all this money off my name and my, you know. Um, and they didn't make money off his name as much as they did split it. I mean, they didn't. I mean, you could say that the they have a, it's a restaurant business, right? Isn't that where mm -hmm. most of their money comes from? Yeah. Franchise restaurants. Now, I don't know how that movie is going to make the restaurant more or less successful. I don't understand how that works. But. I mean, I think he's saying that it made it gave them a good image. And if they have a good image, people are going to want to eat at their restaurants. Okay. And that he deserves more out of it, but um, but I heard mm. Michael Lewis be interviewed in Variety saying that it's it was really unfair of him. They were nothing but kind to him. They opened their house to him, right. and then he turned around and did did this. Um, I I I think it's a weird you know it's a weird story, but I think that there's two other elements that are slightly more interesting, which is the internet's mm. reaction to it and their their quickness, even the 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 major networks and the the headlines and Twitter and, and how they're just so uniform in this idea of we're invested in this story because it involves a white person punishing, you know, as potentially the bad guy and the black person as potentially the victim. And the way mm -hmm. that they embrace a story like that and how it just yeah. becomes such big news because it's such clickbait, you know, because people just really want that confirmation that, you know, white people are so terrible. And, um, and most people did jump in with that assumption, and they're still mm -hmm. holding on to that assumption. Yeah, they don't want to know about right. the mitigating circumstances. No, they, so. they want to. In fact, they're, I mean, they go so far as to really go after Sandra Bullock, um, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. So I've been, I remember The Blind Side, you know, up for Best Picture in 2009, and I remember thinking, wow, it's really weird that that, and, you know, we kind of mocked it because we didn't think it was that good of a movie, and we thought it was silly that, it got nominated for Best Picture at all, but they only got it that way because people loved it and they loved Sandra Bullock. And it made mm -hmm. $100 million in 20 days, that movie. That's mm -hmm. how popular it was. Right. And it, it's, it's another one like The Help, like Greed Book, you know, where there's people that say that it's a white savior movie, that it's, you know, it's racist or whatever. And then there's a whole bunch of people, millions of them, that absolutely love the movie because they believe in the characters and they get moved by the story. And it tells a good story. And I watched it again last night or the night before mm -hmm. just to see because, you know, I've been talking about this movie since 2009 with people. And I know that people mm -hmm. that I know who absolutely hate it, who think it's like the worst thing in the world. There's no basis to hate it. It's a, it works emotionally. I remember 
very vividly. I didn't rewatch it, but it really does work emotionally. That film. I mean, I, that's there's a reason why it won, why she won anyway. You know, and, and I think the reason that it so, that it resonates is, is similar to Snow White. Actually, is that it, mm-hmm. it's not just a, it's not really a black white story. That movie, it's more a rags to riches. And so mm-hmm. when you're watching it, you're you're so into this idea of this person who's he could be he could be any he could be white he could be black he could be asian he could be anything and the story Mm. would still work the same way because basically she takes in a person who's sleeping in the gym who has no clothes no bed who's been kicked around the foster system and she gives him and he moves into this big house and so you're you know how people always say people like to watch the money in a movie and that's mm-hmm. it. Like he's, he ends everybody's fan. Every poor kid's fantasy is to be rescued by a rich family and to right. be brought in, to be given a new truck and a house and new clothes and this wonderful family. And that's the fantasy of a blind, the blind side. It's, it's less about race and it's more about, I mean, it really does have race in it, obviously, but mm. the core of it, the thing people respond to is a rescue story, is a story about someone who is taken in by this family. and. And what's great about it, I think, is her character is a very interesting character because she's she's tough, she's she's complex, she's flawed, and mm-hmm. um, and she can't show emotion. And so that's part of this movie that really gets me every single time I watch it. Every single mm-hmm. time is the end when she say, says goodbye to him, mm-hmm. and she just says okay goodbye, and she goes and she sits down in, in the car, and then the husband and the and Michael look at each other, and he's like, why is she like this? And he's like, I don't know, she just is. So he goes over to the car and he says, okay, come on out, I want you to give me a proper hug. And so mm-hmm. she gets out and she hugs him, and, and it's just so moving to see a character that locked in thaw mm-hmm. out like that. And it's just full of moments like that, this movie. So yes, you can, you can be an asshole in life and absolutely judge everything and judge everybody and see the worst in them. And imagine they have nothing but bad intentions because they're evil white people. Mm. Or you can do the opposite yeah. and you can have compassion and you can see, choose to see it a different way. Right. Yeah, which a lot of people did with that movie. Yep. Let me see how much it made because I actually don't know. I remember uh, I, I ran this thing that Pete Hammond, uh, apparently he, when Pete Hammond saw the film somewhat early, um, he believed, or it was his sense, he was understanding that the Warner Brothers people really didn't see it as much of a, an award season vehicle. Mm. It was a nice little story, but they didn't think they, he said that, I don't think that they understood what they had here. And he told them, this, this is going to, so he was just responding honestly to the way it made him feel. And uh, that's what everybody else did. It made them feel that, even though, you know, I think that, Owen Gleiberman had a good point, which is that um, Michael Ower's character was kind of like a mascot. Mm. He didn't have a lot of complexity. Yeah. Which is fair to say, you know, because he was just kind of a sweet and guy. I, I, hate not to, very... I hate to say this, and, and it's, yeah. it's, it's just one of these weird flukes, is that mm-hmm. it, it's because of the performance, not so much the writing or the directing. And, you know, because if you look at video of Michael Ower, you can see he's not like that at all. Even if he is a man of few words, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Mm-hmm. But the way he's portrayed um, is, I think, someone who's trying to look sad and showing a sad face. And that makes him look like they're, they're just casting him as like the, the mascot, you know. 
Yeah. And I do, I've watched it a number of times to say, what if it was a different performance? What if it was a different actor? Would that have made a difference? And I think it does. I think it's, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's more interesting. It certainly would be more honest. Uh, everybody has complexity. Everybody has thoughts that are, uh, you know, perhaps not fully expressed or is suppressed, but there is more to the guy than what the movie conveyed. And, uh, yeah. Clearly, we're seeing that right now. <laughs> what there is right now is well, yeah. he's, he's showing that he's got uh, resentment and anger about himself, maybe on some level. But he's uh, he's trying to basically he wants he wants more than what he's been given in life. And it seems like he's a little. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate. It's sad. I'm sad that the guy is having a difficult Sorry, I, I think the problem is that, and this is mm. the this is the the part where I will say he has a valid complaint, mm. um, is that I think that they they told his story for him, and I think everybody wants a chance to tell their own story of who they are, right. and I think that his story was always going to be the kid that they helped, and he's never mm. going to be able to live that down, and maybe he didn't didn't want to be that guy, you know, mm. Mm. and then the performance kind of paints him as sort of this kind of nice but dumb. You know, very sweet but dumb kind of, you know, uh, flowers for Algernon type, and um, or of mice and men really, and uh, and and mm -hmm. I think he he might have chafed a little at that. And I remember thinking that back when I saw his interview and when the movie came out, I thought, wow, mm -hmm. he's really not like the guy at all in the movie. Yeah. He's totally yeah. different, and and I would think maybe that would bug him, you know, over time. It would bug me, I can tell you that, if I were he, and I, I would not, nobody wants to be uh, depicted in, in, in simpler, more, more rudimentary terms than yeah. who they actually are. We all want our all-togetherness to be out there. We want people to, to appreciate or get an idea that there's more to us than just the way the script portrayed him. Yeah, so I, and, I, if, I, and you're if, right. you're, yeah. if you're flying high in life and you got lots of money, mm -hmm. and it's not going to bother you. But if you yeah. don't, and and you you you've cashed out. They've cashed out on your story. Yeah. And now you can't yeah. tell your story because they mm -hmm. cashed out on it. You know, you can't tell. He can't tell the story of his rags to riches from his point of view. You know, right. Right. which he should, I think. I don't know. Actually, I haven't Googled to see if he's written a book or anything like that. But now that should have now that should have written made... a book. He should have gone to town and done everything he could to maximize his earning potential after his his football career right. comes to it inevitable and yeah but and I, I don't think that's it, on him exactly and i don't think it's right for him to to smear them the way that he has done and and the other people in the press i don't think that's right i mean you know whatever you think about them they were good christians they were they were trying to do the right thing they were trying to be good people they weren't trying to exploit him and it's not fair to say that about them all these mm -hmm. years later you know right. does it suck that you know that movie's out there and it it depicts him in a different way sure but Correct, you know, maybe he could correct the record. You know, he could he could make a movie called My Blind Side, an honest <laughs> you know portrayal of his real life. People would love to know mm -hmm. his whole story, the whole story. You know, yeah. not just when he met the Tuies. Right. So, um, yeah. anyway, and that brings us to Snow White. <laughs> yeah. Just... Well, I just wanted to make a, a point about this. We all, I think, we're all fairly well familiar as well steeped in the Rachel Zegler PR disaster, which is that she's yeah. very dismissive and snide 
towards what a uh, most of us uh, remember, at least from our childhoods, and I, I certainly have a, uh, a, a high regard for the emotional current of the original Walt Disney uh, 1937 animated version. Not to me, I've never read the, uh, you know, the, the actual fairy tale, but I think we all, you know, there is a place in in our hearts, in our childhoods, in in for a fairy tale. It doesn't. Not everything has to be a progressive. You know, feminist. Uh, uh, you know, uh, man the barricades and let's 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 do away from all this romantic sappy stuff. And mm-hmm. gee, wasn't that wasn't that Prince Charming kind of a creep anyway? Wasn't he kind of a stalker? No, that's, he wasn't. that's really a cold way of describing everything. You know, there's just it's just unfortunate that she had to be so dismissive because because um, you said that you just you had recently rewatched the entire Snow White. Well, I just I just rented it and I just started watching it just now and. Um, I, I mean, these movies meant so much to me when I was a kid, uh, but, Mm -hmm. but, you know, Sleeping Beauty was my favorite, but I loved Snow White too. And, and it wasn't a movie about, you know, a white girl or whatever. Like we just didn't think of things that way back then. It's, it's this movie, the Snow White is a beautiful story of, of, um, good and evil. And right and wrong, and the and the evil queen is so bitter and resentful that that this that the magic mirror doesn't tell her that she's the fairest of them all, that she has to try to kill Snow White so that she can be thought of as the prettiest in the land. But what it is is the metaphor. The beautiful thing about the story is that it's exactly what woke Hollywood has become. They want to eradicate truth, truth and beauty. The truth mm. is that Snow White is the fairest of the land, but she wants yeah. to distort the truth so that the magic mirror will tell her that she's more beautiful. And, and so it's telling you, no, believe your own eyes, believe reality. Mm. And this person is jealous and this person is trying to destroy beauty. And that is the definition of evil. It's just so, and, and then you watch it, it's just this cute little movie, these little birds, these little chipmunks and this pretty little... Snow White mm-hmm. singing her songs, and, and the prince comes in, and it's so romantic and beautifully. The animation is just unreal. It's so. It's so very, cool. very nice. Yeah. Very nice. It, I mean, it really is just breathtakingly beautiful and, to think it was in the 30s. And you know, and I know, there, there wasn't a single person except for let's leaving children out of the equation. There wasn't anybody in, uh, who saw Snow White in a theater uh, that thought there was some consummate uh you know reflection of our actual life they all understood this is a fairy tale exactly you know exactly when you're watching it that you're in kid world and kid world snow white takes its time you know there's just a whole bunch of things where they're sitting there doing dishes and sweeping the floor and you know it's Mm -hmm. just it's just little kid world it's soft and and slow and safe and there's nothing weird about it Mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean now as far as rachel zegler goes the I think that it's a little unfair to blame her because she is just a typical, she's spouting the doctrine of her generation. That's what they all think. And that's what they've been Mm -hmm. taught to think. There's something militant and Soviet about it by now. This Soviet, this idea of everybody wearing the same uniform and everybody being equal and anybody who's not equal Mm -hmm. is punished. And, um, and, and to eradicate, they're, they're living out the metaphor of the movie to just eradicate beauty. To eradicate mm. the beauty of love, you know. And let's also remember that 11 full years ago, there was another militant Snow White uh, movie called Snow, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. 
and that was with Kristen Stewart and had her in armor and uh, with a sword and be doing battle right. with with bad guys. And uh, so they based, pretty much blew that off a pretty long time ago. I mean, 11 years ago, uh, before uh, before 17, before Me Too, you know. So this is not exactly radical, but it's but it's very disappointing and kind of flat and. And I think we should also uh, acknowledge that this is not Rachel Zegler's creation. This is a creation that uh, Barbie's Greta Gerwig came up with, along with Aaron Cressida Wilson. They co-authored the screenplay. And, it, you know, as I said today in my post, this is a fairy tale version of Manosphere Pissnado. Because it's the same thing <laughs> that we're seeing in you know with 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 barbie so it's mm. it's 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 obviously i mean rachel's taking what is in the script and what the movie is she's saying this is where we're coming from this is it so you know, i think it's I weird creepy that they i mean it's weird to me that they want to turn it into a feminist manifesto to eradicate and shame people for mm. lo romantic love like when you're a young girl and you want to be rescued by a prince they didn't Disney didn't invent that. That's always been the case. I mean, you can go all the way, the grim fairy tale, and it's not really about him rescuing her. Snow White is a survival story. She survives. She survives by surviving in the forest. She survives by getting into the little house with mm -hmm. the seven dwarves, and she earns her keep by cleaning, and she hangs out with them. It's a survivor story. It doesn't have to also be a militant feminist story. Women don't have to replace the archetypical man, man in, a, in a fairy tale, for goodness sake, is nothing sacred. <laughs> My God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, the one thing I did notice, if we want to take the other side of the argument, which is that you do mm -hmm. notice how white all the dwarves are. Like, they're all just lily, there's not a single. And so instead of making them non-dwarves, they should have just made them, made them inclusive dwarves or inclusive little people, you know. Um, and that would have solved the problem. They'd still be little people. And why does it have to be so effective? Why, why is their first instinct, we are guilty of some crime? So now we have to absolve ourselves of the guilt. Like, why can't it just be that Snow White enters this, this other dimension where these people are small? Mm -hmm. You know, like, why is that such a bad thing? I don't get it. Well, it was because uh, the, the actor, uh, you know, um, uh, oh, this is wonderful. Peter, I love, Peter, I love Peter these Dinklage, moments. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage uh, complained bitterly and angrily, and he has been very, very attuned and not wanting to be pigeonholed or be characterized as some kind of odd little life form. And, you know, we're completely just like you guys. We just happen to be of a shorter stature. Don't don't categorize us or diminish us. Don't don't, you know, limit our our, our humanity by by calling us dwarves or, you know, I, I, we all get all of that. But it's basically it is about dwarves, and I don't know that there is something inherently evil that there would be. You know, it's just a concept. You know, they're all. It's, you a, know, it's just a concept. It, it, it's a fairy tale, and what it does is it it makes yeah. them palatable yeah. for children. That's the whole point of the seven dwarves: is that there isn't a sexual thing. They're not going to gang rape her on the bed. You know what I mean? Right. Like people people feel safe in that sort of visual pairing of Snow White, a fe single female being taken in by all these men uh it doesn't have to be an uh, you know and 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 all that means is you know yes i i promise you jeff there isn't a single movie song mm -hmm. work of art 
that you can't deconstruct if you want and find mm. things wrong with it. You can absolutely find things wrong if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and you can find... But you're talking about the minds of children, mm -hmm. which is what this is meant to be. It's, you know, and, and the, the woke people, the people, fanatics on the left, want to mm -hmm. hack the human mind, and they want to change it. Like, if we can just teach girls that they're badass, you know, and then they'll be happy. And that the odds are that the, the prince or whoever they think is a nice guy that you want to fall in love with and or go stalker. out with, he's probably an asshole. So <laughs> be wary. He's, he's going to rape you. Yeah. So you have to give him consent to stare at you while you're singing at the fountain. Consent mm -hmm. to come up to you, make your heart flutter, you know. Right. I feel sad for them that this is how they're raised. This is the kind of world that they're raised into. It, it, it just... It suffocates the life out of life, you know, um, when you're so suspicious of everyone and you're so paranoid and you're so scared and you think that only you can be a empowered female and that's the way to live your life. I don't think it is, my friends. Mm. Take it from me. It's not. I mean, sure, be empowered if you want. Do whatever you want. But the reason that we have movies, the reason we have art, the reason we have beauty is that we need it as humans and we recognize it you know you know when you're walking down the street and you see a, a beautiful bougainvillea bloom you know mm -hmm. that's beauty that's what it is if you see what snow white was described as in the grim fairy tale as the most beautiful person in the world no yeah. matter what her skin color you're going to recognize that because mm -hmm. humans do we know what beauty looks like you know yeah yeah and that's all it is is essential beauty i'm not saying rachel zegler isn't beautiful or that, you know, she's very pretty. She's, she's, very, pretty. she's very pretty. And, and, you know, Margot Robbie is one of the most beautiful people in the world, which explains why people were so drawn to the movie Barbie. You know, it mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't just because it was a feminist right. movie. It was because of the chance to sit there and stare at beauty, you know, up close. Anyway, the long and the short of all this is that I believe that most people are, who have been listening to this, and this thing will not stop. It just keeps going. And I thought, <laughs> I thought the Rachel Ziegler thing was a one or two day thing. Here it's been going on for what, a week and a half, two weeks? Whatever, well, it's, longer? it's made it all the way through to Constantine. Kissin did an essay about it. I'll, I'll post all of these on the podcast page. But I haven't read that, actually. What does he say in particular? It's not, a, it's not a, he did a video of it. Oh, okay. And you'll see when I posted, and uh, the critical drinker did a video of it. It's it's that was funny. I like that. I, I saw that one. Yeah, and good. he doesn't really blame her so much as just the whole idea of. Mm -hmm. And I love what he said about how the movie will last much longer than all the woke stuff that they put out. And that's so true mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it is timeless. If you watch it, it's just a, it's a beautiful, timeless thing. And 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 anybody who watches it will feel ridiculous even having any of these conversations. But because it's so I, simple, you know. It's it's very nice to instill the idea that there is such a thing as a a, a good prince who can be uh, compassionate right. and kind and, re and can restore and do something nice for a, a young girl. Um, I you know we all know that I I feel so sorry for for Sutton what she's going to have to go through when she gets to be seventeen, eighteen, or sixteen, and the a holes that are going to be uh, make her life 
very difficult. I mean, as Woody Allen said, I feel so sorry when he looks at a young girl in a, in a crib, in a bassinet, uh, all the all the grief she's going to have to go through because she has to deal with young guys and they're such creeps and idiots. <laughs> and, you know, if you can only just leap forward and meet guys who are a little bit older and maybe learned a couple of things or a little nicer about it, maybe, you know, 30 plus. But it's just it's just the, the horrible inevitability of of, uh, of young men these days. And they're, yeah, they're... some some. But do you know how wonderful it is to be a beautiful young girl? You probably have no idea what that feels like. Most I people have no don't. Idea. To be gazed upon, to be stared at, to be wanted, yeah. to be desired. Dude, mm-hmm. that goes away when you hit like 40 or whatever. And right. people, I told my daughter this. I'm like, bask in it. You know, the, <laughs> the cat calls, the, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. it is amazing. When my daughter hit puberty and I walked through stores with her and she's just mm-hmm. tall, tall and curvy and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and watching men stare at her, you know, she was my little girl for so long, and of course they never would look at her when she's a little girl. But she yeah. blossoms into this woman, and all of a sudden, every man we pass is staring at her, and mm-hmm. you know, and not at me. So here I am, I'm the evil queen now. If I wanted to be, you know, <laughs> that's why the evil queen is so upset because she's not that anymore. She doesn't have that beautiful. It's a moment that you have that you will never get back, my friends. Yeah. Rachel Ziegler, understand mm-hmm. me. By the time you're 40, that's going to go be gone. And you're going to say, man, I wasted all that. I think that the culture kind of expects women to not lose it when they're 40. But maybe even last uh, as, a, as a hot number, you know, look at Paulina Poroskova. She's mid-50. She looks pretty great. You know, I know, but what people... I'm, that's not what I'm talking about, Jeff. I'm talking okay. about the mating impulse. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. biological. Men can't help it. They're designed and born to stare at women. Right. And women are built to look fertile or not fertile. And once you get mm-hmm. past the fertile stage, you're not as attractive anymore. Right. It's biology. It's not yeah. sexism. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, that's why I say when you're telling me this stuff about how poor Sutton this and that, she's about to go through the best time of her life. She's never getting that back from, from mm-hmm. teenagerhood to young adulthood. And if a guy hits on her now and again, so what? That doesn't define her whole life. It didn't define mine. I was sexually assaulted. I had all those terrible things happen to me. I didn't grow up thinking men were terrible and men were evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it's, it's a great, when you get older and you remember back, you know, that's, so Snow White for me is that. It's like the, the contrast between, you know, lo- having this, this youth and this beauty and then the people older who don't, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, um, yeah, you should. I'll, I'll post those things to Critical Drinker. He makes some good points. Mm. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm so what? sorry. Constantine Kissin doesn't talk about Snow White. He talks about Barbie. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, clear that up. Okay, I'm such an fine. idiot. I'm so sorry. Yeah, uh... No, he doesn't talk about Snow White. Um, okay. Let me just quickly go on to YouTube and see who's talking. I, I have a feeling that it's quite a big subject because I just. Everybody who is a content creator needs fuel mm-hmm. to create content, right? Sure. And right. If, they're, if their audience are people who hate the woke, then they're mm-hmm. always going to need this kind of woke to fill the well, While you're doing that, I mean, why don't we just briefly uh, uh, touch upon uh, the pot of fuel? which is right. uh, uh, some people uh, at uh, IFC and Sapan, S-A-P-A-N, uh, who are distributing the film. And thank goodness they've come out of the closet and they're going to actually aggressively open this wonderful uh, foodie film, which I think is great. 
and it's uh, uh, going to open uh, this year uh, to qualify for Oscars in not just Best International Feature, which is up to France. They, they may or may not uh, submit it as their official thing, but they're... Uh, they're really getting behind it, and it's going to be in Telluride, apparently, because it's going to be at the New York Film Festival. They haven't claimed that it's a North American premiere, which means it's going to open somewhere before, and apparently it's not going to open in Toronto. So that leaves Telluride, which is great. So we're going to have that moment. and But it just seems uh, so antiseptic, I guess, uh, very diminished to call it the taste of things. Um, uh, because it's really, I've seen it, and I've, 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 I've really felt that film and it's really this is the odd thing it's not really about the taste of food it's about the preparation of it it's about the discipline and the and the adoration and devotion that you that a chef a a a a cook shows to food and that's what you feel that's the thing it's not about watching people taste things and going "Mm." it's about the, you know, standing there and getting it just right and knowing exactly how long to cook this and to and to let this simmer and to get the sauces just right. It's wonderful to just watch them uh, play music. You know, they're, they're like musicians playing great, great dishes and, and creating great symphonies out of food. And that so it's not really about the taste of thing. That's the odd, weird that they chose that title. La Potafu is supposedly... Um, uh, I have a friend who said that the it doesn't mean anything to people that it doesn't it means just basically pot roast you know meat beef uh, boiled beef and, and vegetables and um, mm. but first two words remember it's a it's a it's a concession to English the it's not the pot a few but the t h e that's English and pot obviously we all know what a pot is. So it's not really that exotic. And then the the the, the exotic part is F-E-U, which nobody knows what that means. But it's not that crazy. And as someone pointed out yesterday, uh, is it really as exotic as, say, ratatouille? Which everybody says, well, that was a pun because of using the word rat. And we mm-hmm. have uh, we are familiar with the ratatouille dishes. OK, well, many people are. Um, and I certainly was. But. I thought it was kind of a little on the complex side, you know, those O-U-I-L-L-E, you know, not everybody's, uh, uh, you know, international in, in their outlook. So I don't think it's what's so crazy about uh, Le Pas de Feu, but it's, they've already decided, so it's, so it's done. But uh, I'm going to personally go on a single one-man campaign. I'm going to ignore the title. I'm going to call it Le Pas de Feu, parenthesis, mm. the taste of things. And I'm just not going to go there. So. Well, I... Uh... I, I think it's funny that, that they think that it matters over here what they call it because the same people that would see it as the taste of things are going to see it if it's called Patafou. Is it, is it French and English subtitles? Yes, it's English subtitles. Yeah, yes. so it's better for them to call it Patafou because then people know they're going to be watching. I hate it when I go, I mean, sorry to have to say, but I hate when I go on one of these streamers and i buy something that i think is like just a regular thrill or whatever and it has subtitles and it mm-hmm. isn't that i you know i think that's such a bad thing it's just that that's not what i'm looking for i'm looking for something to just put on in the background that i can sort of watch and if it has subtitles then you have to watch the movie you have to sit there and watch what's it. so bad about that well if you're in the mood for watching it but i put on a lot of things just to have them as background and uh, would would you want let's say you could magically 
uh, bring up uh, a digital English track when you're watching it. Would you want to watch a film that's about actual people in 1880s France speaking English? I would hate that. No, I wouldn't like it either. I'm just saying that if it's yeah. called Pot of Food, then I know it's going to be a, for, you know, a film with subtitles. I could sit there and watch it with subtitles. Right. But, right. but you know, to try to trick people into into buying it without them mm-hmm. knowing it's a movie and subtitles, I think isn't the, isn't what they should be doing. But they know better than we do about what'll sell. So I don't know that they do. Why do What do they know? Nobody why, why, knows why can't anything. they be a little slow on the on the pickup and not understanding uh, that that people are who first of all, the only people that are going to go see this, they're going to enjoy it are people who are uh, educated to some extent, who are cinephiles, who are uh, suburbanites or urbanites in the uh, in the blue cities. It's not going to be a movie that that, you know, your average, uh, uh, you know, rural person living in some rural community you know it, it it's probably not going to be have much of a following in in that realm it's 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 one of those films that that uh semi-sophisticated people are going to be into but if you have any love any worship any 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 connection to really great cooking and you don't have to be a college educated to understand that it's a it's a beautiful thing. It really mm-hmm. is. It's it's really lovely. It just turns you on, you know, from the very beginning. And the first twenty five minutes or so, hardly any dialogue. It's just we're just watching food. Yeah, being I, tr- I trust you. I know it's going to be good. I can't wait to see yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of which, we we both talked about mm-hmm. that movie you did not see in Cannes. You not you didn't see it. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah, I should have. Look, look. It's not uh, because I'm cavalier about this. It's just it's it's a hard, tough task to get stuff written every day, and you're and you're and you have to bang it out really fast. I, I don't know what happened. I just uh, I meant to go, but I but I couldn't make it for some reason. I mean, there's a responsibility to generate uh, smart, concise, you know. Uh, if possible, eloquent copy about the mm. films that you've seen, and I just can't get it all done. It's just one person, so. Yeah, but no, you know I what? Think... It also bothers me. You've seen the trailer, of course. Yeah. The trailer is in English. So what the hell is that about? Well, it, it's, the movie's again, in English. The movie's in English. It's not in subtitles. But is it? I I, I understand that. Uh, but why would it be in English? Is what I'm asking you. It's set in Europe. So what's the English about? They don't talk English as a as a matter of force. The police certainly don't talk English, and the and the natives who are living in that in uh, is it set in Germany? Is it in France? I'm not sure. No, I don't know. But I just I was surprised that they were talking English too. But they yeah. are. They're talking English, um, which makes me think it has a better chance of getting in for best picture. All the Oscar pundits have it, and best picture predictions and best actress. That's just sexism. They just like it because. Well, it's I a just woman thought it was hilarious that I saw somebody on your site. I think it was that said, "Best actress is going to be down to Sandra Huller versus." I, I mean, I think he said Margot Robbie for Barbie, which is like, no, that's never, that's not going to happen. It's not. The thing be- you have to ask about um, about Margot Robbie, who's very good as Barbie, she gets the tone of it and everything. But you have to ask yourself. Let's imagine that Barbie was a modest hit. You know, it it did well. Uh, a lot of people went to see it, but it wasn't a super thing. It wasn't a huge blockbuster. You have to ask yourself: 
would there be any real clamor for uh, her to be maybe a possible best actress candidate? It's not that much of a performance. It's it's good. It's smart. It's well done. But I think it's basically they want to celebrate her mm-hmm. and other aspects of the film because it's a huge hit because it connects with the culture. It's a big, big thing. And she's a producer. Really... And if she's if she's in the Oscars, the ratings will go yeah. up. You know, everybody wants yeah. to have her at the show because she's so beautiful. I agree. You so, know, nothing wrong in itself, but I just don't think it's that great. It's it's good uh, film, and she certainly uh, gets the tone of it right. She understands that she's playing. She's playing a kind of a not that smart or not that aware person in the beginning, and she kind of you know builds out of that. So it's, it's a decent, definitely a decent film. But I don't see the the reason why anybody would say it's it's best actress material. You know, um, Pot of Foo is actually not pot roast it's more beef stew okay but it's beef and vegetables and, and some potatoes that's all it is yeah yeah no it's exactly. simple you know I, I know i'm gonna post a recipe from food and wine from six years ago <laughs> for pot so people can see you know when we were in brooklyn weren't you cooking up something like that you were cooking a. I a, did make that i did yeah. make that yeah brooklyn that was pretty yeah pretty no good. that's exactly what i made i made that beef stew pot I didn't know mm-hmm. it was called Patefu, but you know in France it's going to be good. <laughs> Way yeah. better than here. Sure. Um, oh, man, the, about the food there. Um, so, anyway, Anatomy of a Fall, we, we were joking because I said to you I thought it, that she was, um, she was gay or that it was a gay character, but then I went and looked, and the mm-hmm. character's not gay, the director's not gay, mm-hmm. so there's no gay here. Um and I was beaten up all day long yesterday because <laughs> I said it, I said gay works. Gay is a good thing. If you if you got that on your profile, it's certainly not a negative. It's a it's a plus. I, it's I, certainly it's a plus with progressives. When I told you to put it on your site, I meant our conversation so that people. Are, mm. But then you put it on there just so matter of factly, like, well, she's not gay, so it's not. They know they're all liars. Everyone on the site who said. What are you? What are you? What are you saying? There's nothing special about being gay. You know, they're all fucking liars. They know exactly what I'm talking about. They they, they gaslight you. Thing. They all gaslight you. They all pretend like, what yeah. elephant in the room? What are you talking yeah. about? Well, yeah. we happen to know that the majority of people who cover film or people that love the Oscars tend to be gay men. Yeah. And it is not. It's a very LGBTQIA, which I said I wasn't going to say anymore, but whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's very much friendly in that. Or as my publicist friend used to say, who's gay, they're on the bus. You right. know, are they on the bus? Yeah, they're on the bus. The publicists, the bloggers, you know. So sure. they tend to, you know, people respond to seeing themselves on. So, you know, it's not that big of a reach that, that it would be a very, you know, gay-friendly industry yep. considering it didn't used to be back in the day when i first started it was very much a straight that's why you know ann thompson had that steak eaters comment about the oscars is that yeah, yeah. she mostly meant you know straight white men mm-hmm. but it's obviously changed i mean yep. you know from the movies that get picked uh to the mm. contenders to the you know look at everything everywhere all at once you know by the way a uh, a good friend of yours good friend of mine I will not name him, but he's a. Uh, he told me that um, that um, the Anatomy of a Fall is quote unquote by far my favorite film of the year, and I've seen a few upcoming fall wow. releases. He qualifies, and I said, "You've seen the part of theater, then?" He says, "He said basically the the lead actress 
Karen. Sander Huller is her name. Huller, yes. He says, she should get the nod, the director as well, and best picture. And I said, oh, come on, I responded. It's about a police <laughs> investigation of a possible murder by, of a oh, wife by a husband. Yeah. And, the, and his response, wrong. I said, I'm not disputing the quality, obviously, but it's about fingers being pointed at a widow with her in the wake of the death of her husband. That's what it's about. He says, it's, is it answer? It's far richer than that. It's Hitchcockian. It's yeah. dense and complex, and it's satisfying. It sounds, okay. I mean, listen, it's right up my street, man. It is mm-hmm. exactly the kind of movie I love. I, And I told you, I just, I sent it to you. I just, I got a screening invite for the 22nd, so I'm going to be seeing it soon. I'm very excited to see it. Oh, good to hear that. Okay. I'm actually going to drive out to Beverly Hills and, and have to dwell who's in the, the... Who's the distributor on I've Forgotten? I sent it to you, so it's, it should be in your inbox. Um, well, can you just tell me who the distributor well, is? Well, I have to go search and look now because I don't know who it is. Okay. Um, they okay. just sent me the thing, but let's see. I'm so excited to see it, though. Um, uh, let's see. Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah. <clears throat> so that means they're having screenings here. So I, maybe I can get myself into one before yeah. I go to Telluride. I'd love to do that, it actually. Just, I sent it to you. Let's see who is this doing it. Um um, by the way, I'm, I'm finally seeing the Pedro Almodovar film uh, on the 23rd. Uh, oh, you know who the, the woman is that's in this? The star? Yeah. She's the lady who was in Tony Erdman, remember? Yes, yes, she was the lead there. And she is also the lead uh, female uh, performer in the uh, Auschwitz film. Um, uh, you know, the... the uh, uh, Zone of interest. Zone of interest. Yes, that's what I meant. I've, I've never heard of these guys before. Cinetic Media, Cinetic Media. Cinetic, yeah. Cinetic. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of them. That's who sent it to me. That's um, you know who that is. That's John Sloss. Oh, okay. I didn't know, but um, he's been uh, a Cinetic guy for for quite a few years. Actually. Well, I'm very excited about it. It's that's <clears throat> that's my favorite genre, thrillers. And um, and I'm excited that a sorry to have to say this. Don't hate me, but mm. I'm really happy to see that a woman made a really good movie. <laughs> Not so am I. I mean, I I mean, that's I, great. and what I mean I, by I, that I'm is, I, I like it when the movies are good, and I don't have to fake that they're good just because they're female directors. I like it when they're actually good. You know, like I think mm-hmm. Barbie fits that description. Barbie's actually good, as opposed to Little Women that wasn't very good, although. I know that it meant a lot to her, so I don't want to keep trashing Little mm. Women. But you know, I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm glad that it's actually a good movie because that that renews right. my faith. You know, let's wrap up for with one final thing, and that's right. um, Hurricane. Uh, what's her name? Hillary. Um, Hillary. 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 And, now, by the way, Spectrum, uh, which is um, uh, you know cable out there, is says quote We're preparing for potential service in outages during the storm so it must be imminent so when is it coming okay it's not i i will predict that as i told you before it's it's definitely an exaggeration there's no way that it's i mean i keep looking at hurricane center which i told you is one of my favorite things to do anyway Mm. because here come the hurricanes you know it's hurricane season is my favorite one of my favorite i'm sorry to have to say Mm -hmm. meaning don't yell at me because i take joy in it i'm just fascinated by science and stuff so it's interesting Mm -hmm. to me to watch the hurricanes come 
So here, I'll send you the link to the hurricane satellite, and you can see where Hillary is. I mean, it's we've never had anything like this. Like it, it's going to slow down a little bit because apparently, when it hits, when the hurricane needs hot water, and so it's picking up all this warm water from the Gulf of Mexico or wherever Mexico, wherever it is, and when it hits the water off the coast of California, it's going to cool it, cool it down, so it's going to diminish the storm. Mm-hmm. If the waters off of Malibu and stuff were warm. Then we'd have mm. a full-blown, I mean, it might take out Malibu. It'd be such a strong storm, but it will have cooled down by then. And um, so we're probably getting heavy rain, but I mean, come on, they're not, it's not going to be a power outage. Goodness mm. sakes. Mm. That would be hilarious. Okay. They, everybody always exaggerates the, the threat of these things. And the news people are foremost in that congregation. They, they really love selling the idea of uh, imminent uh, yeah, disturbances well, and problems and yeah it's know, just like we, it's just comes. like we were talking about with snow white and everything and and bradley mm-hmm. cooper it's like we've created mm-hmm. this situation where our content machine needs needs constant in, input it needs to, to, to so everybody can survive it's our whole economy now right. so this hurricane will help the weather channel and all that but look at it though i mean i've just sent you the links you can look on your text you can see the you can see the big old hurricane coming in it's it's it is it's aiming right at California, but it'll slow down by the time it gets there. It's a category three right now, I think. Uh, I so- see the main thrust of it though, the the real power of it mm. is is below um, uh, Cancun. It's it's yeah. farther, pretty far south. So how's it going to affect Los Angeles that it's, much? It's, it's not, pretty far south. By the right? time it gets to LA, it'll have it'll downgrade to a tropical storm, but it's still rare to have a tropical storm here. Mm. It hasn't happened since 1939. Have you ever driven to uh, the west coast of Mexico in one of your trips? I, I haven't, but I know you have. I've talked to you about it. I, I would love to do that. I'm, I am a little bit afraid of getting like carjacked and murdered, but. <laughs> well, that's what happened in Mexico. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. I mean, yeah, it, it yeah. maybe it hasn't happened to you. And I know a lot of people who live in Mexico, and I would love to actually be one of those people. But I am a little nervous about driving down there by myself as an old female, you know. Well, I have a, a, a you know, I mean, uh, poor Guillermo, his father was uh, was kidnapped, as you know, and he had to turn to Jim Cameron for help. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's something that has, uh, I mean, there's clearly there's gang activity, cartel activity, murders of a horrific nature happening. But I don't... Uh, I've never really felt it. I mean, I, I think that even even the cartels are aware that there is a certain uh, obvious benefit to tourism, and they're not going to be complete idiots about it. But um, no, I know for sure, you know. and I, you know, I, but I think that I think that there's a difference between driving there and flying there. That's what I mean. Yeah. I guess is yeah. that if I was you, I wouldn't mind driving because you're very you know masculine looking, and they're not going to bug you. It's a very masculine culture. There's a very, uh, a very exciting uh, aroma to being in Mexico, you know, because they don't have the same uh, sewage systems that, as we have up here, and you can actually smell uh, the earth. Let's put it that way: you can smell the earth oh, down God. there in a way that's really quite uh, thrilling, in a way. You know, well, this you're is, this, really in a different place. So. Uh, this whole part of this conversation is like what some of your commenters, whose names I will not reveal, will will pick out and say that we were sitting here being racist about Mexico. But I will tell you one story that about 
you know brett weinstein and heather hying you know who they sure. are right so he, they they did a lot of work in in um in Central America as archaeologists and and when they were younger they went down there and <clears throat> and his wife Heather Hying was wandering mm -hmm. off by herself and she was really young and mm -hmm. she said all of a sudden all of these men surrounded her and started pulling at her and were about to drag her off somewhere and then as soon as Brett showed up they all scattered because they're mm -hmm. so patriarchal down there that you know if, if mm -hmm. it's a woman alone then they feel like it's sort of open season but if a guy shows up obviously it's a long time ago i'm not saying it's all like that now i'm just saying that's why i've i've been hesitant not for that reason but just a little bit hesitant to drive down there on my own mm -hmm. of course when you talk about the truly ugly patriarchal cultures uh nothing holds a candle to uh to middle eastern uh, Arab culture. Those guys are the absolute kings of that realm, are they not? Oh, yeah. No, they'll rape you, man. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. Um, <clears throat> I should say I did drive down to Mexico when I was young. We used to do it all the time mm -hmm. in the 80s, you know, before things got really bad. They didn't, Mexico didn't always used to be so dangerous as it is now. Um, um, I, I've only mainly been to, to Baja and everything, but I did go to Guaymas once, and that was fascinating because part of the reason I went down there is because I wanted to see, and I did see, the, uh, the set of Catch-22, which was, um, had been used by Mike Nichols in the early 70s, or around 70, actually, mm. 69, 70. And they built an actual uh, uh, airstrip, and there were buildings that were blown up, you might recall, from the third act of uh, Catch-22. And it was there. It was all, you know, they didn't tear it down. They just left it that way. And, mm. um, and it was fascinating. So I'm kind of really glad that I went there. And Guaymas is a kind of interesting town, uh, interesting city. And um, uh, San Blas, a great little surfer town. So it's really quite the exotic, uh, delicious place to, to be. Really turns me on, and of course I'm a huge fan of Belize, as I've mentioned to you. That's not really Mexico, but well, it's you know <clears throat> you still feel the same. Thing. No, but um, Cozumel is beautiful. I've been there. Um, mm -hmm. Playa del Carmen is definitely a place where a lot of expats have moved. Didn't you go on a junket to? And there's a film festival there, Playa del Carmen, yeah. which they paid for us to go. Me and my yeah. dear ex, who died of an overdose, but um, mm -hmm. that was a weird trip. It always feels like that movie. You remember that movie? Did you ever see that movie? I am love. Yeah. That movie. Never there was that. there was a yeah. reporter on this at this Mexican film festival with me, and mm -hmm. all we kept doing was laughing about I am love and pretending like we were in that movie and like because that was Luca Guadagnino. Yes. No, no. It wasn't. Oh wait, I am love. What's the movie with? There's some movie, no, I'm not talking of I Am Love. There's a movie about old women from Britain mm -hmm. who go to, like, Nigeria or something. To... Oh, yeah, they, they're into, like, beautiful black boys, and, and their boys are for hire. It's yeah, like, I it is that. the single most, there's two movies that I've seen in my life that are so disturbing mm -hmm. that I can't, like, one was called Michael, and it was in Cannes. And it was mm -hmm. about a child molester keeping a kid in his basement or something. I remember that also. God, that was horrible. And yeah. you never saw the kid, but like he'd wash his hands and stuff. It was just so. And oh, they... we saw the kid. We saw the kid. Did we? Yeah. I can't remember. They, but... they, they didn't show sex, but we saw the kid for sure. And that they movie. They didn't show anything. It was so offensive. It never found distribution or anything. Mm hmm. Like they just buried it. And this other one I'm telling you about, these old women, I think it's called I Am Love. Uh, and. 
it was also equally disturbing because mm. I mean it was just to me and it haunts me to this day. But being on that trip in Playa del Carmen reminded me of that movie. And because the guy that was there with me, we were just laughing so hard about it. We were saying, like, um, they would remake the American version with, um, with the woman from Nebraska, you know, mm -hmm. in the Alexander Payne movie. What's her name? Um, the older woman, you know, the older actress. What's her name? Uh, she was an Oscar nominee. You know who I'm talking about right? um, from Nebraska. Who was married to June. married to Bruce Dern and the, the yeah uh, June was something the, the white haired June something yeah. Uh -huh. Let me look it up really fast. I'll cut all this out where we're talking. Yeah. I mean, she's also yeah. at the very beginning of About Schmidt. She's she's the wife that dies. Um, mm -hmm. Mm. and uh june squib and so we were saying they would mm. remake that movie with june squib mm. <laughs> and mm. it was just i mean mm. these poor men like they're they're desperate they're broke and they have to sleep with these these older women and just they're it's there's something so disgusting about it but they, were, they weren't depicted as being disgusted they 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 were depicted the boys who were uh, the objects of desire they were they, they enjoyed the attention they certainly enjoyed the, you know, living with these women, having fun with them, going to dinner. So I don't remember them being disgusted. Not, well, I the don't whole, the that whole point of the all, movie is, is that they're disgusted. Because remember, she gets into this one guy and he's got like a family and everything. And he's and he has to leave her and she becomes really desperate and Virginia Woolf-like and mm -hmm. very okay. desperate, depressing movie. Um, mm -hmm. But again, like that movie, Michael, it just sort of never found its way out. Yeah, it, because it was too disturbing and gross. It was awful. Oh, so it's awful. not called "I Am Love" because you're right. That is the Luca Guadagnino one. So I don't. I yeah. can't remember what the name of it is. Mm, okay. Anyway. Anyway. So that was uh, that was a good chat we had today, and um, I uh, I'm glad we got to uh, into the topics before they became too stale. Before two they became answer. too stale, yes, because the news cycle will change by Sunday, which is when we usually do this. Yeah, so yeah. two weeks from now, we'll be doing Telluride, and we think mm -hmm. that what's, just really quickly, what's going there that we're looking forward to is the Alexander Payne, the holdovers, Patafu is going, yep. um, Zone of Interest is probably going, and Anatomy. Almost of certainly. And of course, that we just, as we just said, uh, Anatomy of a Fall, that'll definitely be there. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's it, right? Do you think that Killers of the Flower Moon will make it there? Uh, there's been no talk about it whatsoever, which is, strikes me as a little strange. Because if I were behind that film, I would certainly, I mean, they can't uh, take advantage of any promotion because of the SAG-AFTRA strike, but it would certainly be an ideal place to start the uh, Lily Gladstone, uh, uh, you know, campaign, if you will. And I think she's definitely going to be in it, but I, but I, you know, they can't, nobody can do anything. There can be no promotion for poor Annette Benning, who has a pretty good role in the uh, uh, in the in the movie about the swimmer, um, which is going to be Nyad. there also. Nyad. So <clears throat> Nyad, yeah, Diane and Nyad. So I'm reading. Let me read you just quickly the top ten from Michael's Telluride blog. His predictions right. now to as of yesterday, the 17th. Mm. The holdovers, Nyad, Zone of Interest, Anatomy of a Fall, Salt Burn, Poor Things, yeah. The Royal Hotel, Rustin, mm. Wildcat, Fingernails, All of Us Strangers. The Bike Riders, Fallen Leaves, Perfect Days, and The Settlers. Then he says later... Wait a minute. He's, he's supposed to be on top of Telluride and a good... And a good oh, uh, and then other possibilities. He doesn't even know Pot a few? 
He put that it was on out yesterday. He's on here. It's on here on the other possibilities. Potifu. Well, that's not very sharp of him because I'm sorry. It was obvious when the New York Film Festival announced that it was playing it and it didn't call it a North American premiere. I mean, there's no ambiguity about it. All this. right. And then later down the thing, he says, you'll find this interesting. He says, mm-hmm. cryptic message from Chris Tapley. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, Chris Tapley posted on Twitter, mm-hmm. festival season about to be saved. And then Michael writes, now what does that mean? Could it portend Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon landing at Telluride? Will Rustin's world premiere at Telluride draw out the founders of the production company behind the film? That's Higher Ground, which was founded by a couple named Obama. But how can that save anything? That's just like, oh, that's cool. They're going to maybe promote their own film. That's great. And maybe it's a good film. But how does that save anything? That's a pretty grandiose says, statement to t- have a festival season. The only thing that will save it is the, is the ending of the SAG after. Well, exactly. That's what I was hoping. But I asked him yesterday. Mm-hmm. I said, have you heard anything about the strike? And he said, no. So I don't think it's Killers of the Flower Moon because Chris Tapley wouldn't have an inside track on that since he's with Netflix. Um, yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you that, uh, that there has been movement on the um, strike and that the problem, at least as, uh, as I understand it, is that there is obstinacy and, a, and not a really coming to grips with the nitty gritty, with the real give and take of the negotiation from the rather... <clears throat> Uh, difficult uh, writers, uh, writers and WEA guys are not being particularly, they're being maladroit is the term. You know, they're not being, they're kind of bumbling about it. And uh, it could be theoretically over along with the actors, maybe. But uh, apparently the, the, the writers are being a little uh, kind of pain in the ass about it. So who knows? Oh, yeah. That, there is, there has been movement. There has been. So it's the writers that are holding it up? In the view of one person who has a strong opinion about how things have been going, and he feels that it could be, it's not. Uh, it's not really the producers. Uh, that's the goes against what everybody's been saying before, and the producers are being shits, and they're not being very uh, realistic, and they're and they're being selfish, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they are. They always have been. They always will be. But um, oh, anyway, yeah, of course they are. Um, okay, well that sounds good. I hope you have a nice weekend. Whatever you're going to yeah, do. Yeah, you too. And, you too, uh, and I'm, and I'll, uh, and you know, uh, and there'll be a lot of. Uh, uh, I'm looking very much forward to <clears throat> to what the final week uh, is is going to be bringing, uh, which is technically next week because uh, the following week is when everything starts. I am going to go down to see Jet and Sutton and and Kate, and then I'm going to just to save myself the the difficulty of, uh, of having to get up at five in the morning and take the train at six in the morning to get to Manhattan by seven thirty, so I can catch my LaGuardia flight at nine 30. I've decided, and uh, I did this morning is getting a little Airbnb room near LaGuardia for $70. I'm going to go there on Monday night and then I'll be just a, you know, like 20, 15 minute walk from the airport. And then I'll uh, have no sweat in getting there. I'm going to go to um, to uh, Albuquerque and then gra- grab a car sometime uh, Tuesday afternoon and take my time driving north. And then I'll be there in plenty of time, which I love being in Telluride the f- full day before. You know, get groceries, get the pass, yeah. all that stuff. So, you know. I'm very excited, too. So, yes, they do have yeah. a washer dryer there. That's good to hear. Uh, That's good. 
because I'm not going to bring a big suitcase this time. I'm just going to bring my smallish bag and I'll just borrow some things. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to bring a lot either because it's what's the point? I mean, we just got to make sure we check the weather on the way out to see what kind of weather is going to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All righty. All right. Well, looking forward to it. Have a nice weekend. Same. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Spit them out.